For reals, it took a little bit. <laughs> Welcome, Business Geeks, to another Business Geeks podcast. I am your host, Super Joe Pardo, and I, I have two wonderful co-hosts here. I got Jennifer Crawford from Sparent.co, as well as Samantha Riley from SamanthaRiley.global was talking in my ear. We're using different new tech today, and uh, so it's ne- new tech Thursday because that's that's a thing. Um, and it was a little tricky getting us up and running here. I know Eric Hunley is joining us today. He sent us a super chat over on YouTube, which is awesome to see. He was curious as to how that end of it worked. It looks like if I, I can click on it from there, but it doesn't seem like it's like highlighted in well, actually it is highlighted it, it's on my screen. Highlighted. It's highlighted, it's bright green. Yeah, it stands out. But if you have chat that's just like boop, 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 like scrolling by. Uh we also have Otto in the house. What is going on? Thank you for so much for joining us. Jennifer, how are you doing today? Hunky Dory. Hunky Dory. Doing great. You know on Thursdays when I get to this point, it's it's nice. It's a, a nice way to wrap up the day. It was a crazy, nutty, busy day, but a good one. So yeah, I can't complain. Thank you for asking. I, you are so welcome. Then yeah, it is fun to be here on a Thursday. Now we weren't here last week on Thursday, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But first we gotta ask Sam, how is things down under in Australia? Things are fantastic in the future. Friday is rocking already. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So glad to hear that. And uh, here in good old Philadelphia, things are moving right along. So I think when we last did our show, I had two people that had passed away on me and I've added Mm. a third. Things come in threes. And I might have said that at the time that like, I don't know who the third's going to be. And then we found out who the third was going to be. It's Mm -hmm. Bill Neely, who was our manager at our repair shop and a huge, huge deal, huge loss and very much a big reason why one of the reasons why I chose to come back to work at my family's business back in 2018 because because of him, I didn't really know him too well prior to that. I got to know him really well over those couple of years of working with him. And it is very much, it was a, a huge blow. Uh, it's on top of the previous two losses in that family, that end of the family for me. And, and my know it was very hard for all my dad as well. He was, you know, like a, like another dad to my, to my dad as well as like a grandfather figure to me. So yeah, super going to miss him. And I always enjoyed our conversations. Well, I'm so sorry for your loss, Joe. I think we, you know, I'm speaking for everybody here. And, mm. and rest in peace, Mr. Neely. You sound amazing. Uh, yeah, he, totally. He was. He was. He, he very much a uh, semi, well, he wouldn't say a semi-charm kind of life, but I would say in a lot of ways. It was a way. It was a way of living life that he brought to the table. So, so yeah. So, this week, I thought it would be fun for us to talk about a topic that is kind of near and dear to all three of us, being that all three of us kind of or do run coaching businesses, Jennifer being the kind of part, right? Um, Not really. (laughs) Hang on, Jen, can I just say, I think that any business owner that's working with people is a coach because you're always coaching and leading and helping people. So I do do think like whilst you don't have a coaching business, you would be coaching all day, every day. I get that. 
You got that. Okay. Yeah, with the movement. So, yeah, I would say, well, because when you take on a new client, right, that you coach them in order to enable them to be, be able to utilize your service parent, mm. right? And yeah, that, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, words. I don't know if there's a difference between consulting and coaching. Like, consulting tends to be like the just the words we use and, you know, internally when we, we guide a client through that process. But I think it's just, you know verbiage, just different verbiage, maybe. Mm. I would, I would tend to agree. And when I'm saying coaching, I mean, consulting, coaching, going outside of your bubble of people to go and get somebody to help, right? And that might be on a consulting basis, it might be on a one on one coaching basis, could be in a group or anything like that. But you know, I thought it would be cool to talk about like, why it's important to to get a coach. And then when is the right time to seek out that coach or consult, and then when or who and how to go pick that right person, right? How to go pick the right who for you, your business, your needs, your language, your understanding, and your your industry. So, Sam, would you good, would you like to good, a great start conversation? With that? Yeah, sure. So, I think first you need to look at the symptoms that's happening, like what's happening that you would like a better result for, and. This is, I think, the piece that a lot of people get wrong. They have a a roadblock and they're like, I need to get a coach. And, you know, they may put up, they may ask friends, like, who's a good coach? Or they may put up a a Facebook post. I see it all the time. What coach do you recommend? Rather than actually starting and looking, what specifically do I need the help with? And I know that we're specifically talking about business here, but I've got coaches in You know, I've got a personal trainer, so she's my coach in health, and I've got a coach that helps me with our investments. And, you know, I've got coaches in different areas as well as a business coach. And so where to start, that was the original question, where to start is to look at what are the symptoms that you're experiencing that you would like to have a different result for. Mm, Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over is the definition of and not getting the results you want is definition of insanity, right? And that's when it's the question comes up like, when is it time to do something different, to get different results? What you're doing might be working, right? And I think that's the, always one of the biggest hurdles comes down to like the ego part of like, you know, I'm doing a million dollars. You know, and a million dollars is awesome, it's great, but like where what's the next level, right? Where's the spot? Oh, I'm breaking for family. Yeah, we need to check. check. You you, you, you sound like a robot. I can hear every third word. (laughs) Oh no, that's well, that's that's terrible to hear. I've had a lot of issues with my internet over the last week, like week and a half. Comcast has been here a lot. You probably didn't hear like most of that. Okay, well, well, let's talk, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit here, Sam. That was great. Great advice uh, that you gave, like looking at like what outcome, what goal do you want to accomplish and narrowing it down. But what about looking at the credentials? Because I'll be honest, I've known some life coaches that are couch surfing, not by choice. Mm-hmm. So I think it is important to you know do your due diligence. And I'm not even saying they need to have like official coaching credentials. because I've also known really good coaches without any official credentials. But I think you need to look at people's backgrounds, their experience, like have they done what you're trying to do and been successful at it? Or are they just talking the talk kind of thing? Because they're, you know, Sam, you're 
like very extremely credible coach, but you you have to admit there are a lot of coaches out there that don't necessarily deserve the title. 100%. And I think that that is a lot because in the last few years, people have left their jobs and they want to work for themselves. And what they've done is looked to their coach and almost modeled what their coach is mm-hmm. doing like this is what I learned so I'm just going to teach the same thing rather than actually getting the results and I just want to touch on credentials because I think that the credentials that we're looking for is are that coach's clients getting results and I think that's the credentials to look for Ooh, because because a lot of people will talk about you know has that coach achieved the results I'm still not of the opinion that that's the right metric. Okay. So when I go back to being a dance teacher, I was a really good dance teacher. My students won a lot of awards, but I was never a professional dancer. I never made it a professional dancer. (laughs) I wasn't good enough to be a professional dancer, but I could still teach really well. So I don't think necessarily the coach needs to have achieved the results but their clients must be achieving the results. Okay, very good point. Very good point from Sam. So appreciate that. Welcome back, Joe. Let's Welcome back, Joe. Exactly. We, we, guys, we, we, we held the time out. for you. <laughs> Hold on, time out, time out. So you you two were talking the whole time, like nothing nothing happened. Of course, we, didn't, we, we barely noticed you left. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. I, I, I can just accept kidding. that. But... Okay, because on my side, it looks like when I left, when my my internet just like went out and I came back in, it looked like you guys weren't in the chat, like on the stream anymore. Oh, you know what? I didn't oh, so well, that would be interesting. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if I all of our amazing conversation just was captured then because it well, was gold. Well, it's local course. recording, so it should. We'll see. And maybe Leon from yourpodcastconcierge.com will have some fun playing with that. I'm not sure. Yeah. I was saying my internet has been on the blank for like a week. I've had Comcast out here. They're like, well, like we know about it. It's in your neighborhood, but we're not really sure what's causing it. And I'm like cool but like i'm the guy that's going to notice like most people wouldn't know it's like oh the web page didn't load let me just refresh a couple times but like when we're doing live streams the internet has to work right and that's kind of a problem absolutely yeah so anyway so i'm sorry i missed all 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 that wonderful conversation Uh, something about trainers and i don't know like we were talking about credentials jen jen answered I did hear. Okay, I did hear about that part. Yeah, I I think uh, it was there was people a lot a lot of people like couch surfing or something to that effect. <laughs> I was just playing around with like there are some coaches that might not have earned the title of coach, and then there are some really amazing coaches like both of you that get results, have results. You know, their clients. You know, outcomes. You know, you're focused on their outcomes from from day one, and there are so many coaches out there that I think. Since the topic is like, how do you find a coach? What do you go about? How do you go about looking? You, I think the first thing is you've got to realize that there are a lot to choose from and you've got to narrow down those choices and be very careful where you invest your time and your money. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we need to move this when, when we put like comments down below. It's I'm very, it's very big, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I can change the colors and stuff, but yeah, it doesn't move our heads out of the way. It's just like, ah, we're just. Or Mike Wazowski-ing it for anybody who 
catches the reference. Yeah. I didn't so, catch that. <laughs> oh, like in the movie. No, no, it's Jen. In the movies, Monster Thing, Mike was asking, he's like, I'm in the commercial, I'm in the commercial. But they like put the logo over his face. Oh. Like, at, like at the end, like it's, it's always, there's always something covering his face. So you just see like the two arms and legs and then like the logo right over his face. But anyway, so discerning when is the right time to go and find that coach, right? That consultant for your business and for you. When would you say is, the time to put the ego aside. And I was saying when I was getting all mm. kinds of like cut up and, and stuff, but like what I was saying earlier was to the effect of, you know, it's like, oh, we're doing a million dollars. Like we're doing amazing. And it's like, well, yeah, but like you're not even tapping necessarily, you know, the full potential. And, you know, if you're not growing, you're, you're dying. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where's that next growth? And, and do you have that answer? And if you don't have that answer, is that the right time to start looking or? In my opinion, it would be before you necessarily get there, right? Because as the CEO, as the captain of the ship, you are the one that's supposed to be able to see, you know, into the future like Samantha lives in the future down in Australia. You know, what's the next day? What's the next week look like? Ten weeks look like? What's the next, you know, six months, a year, two years, three years, five years look like? And how are you going to grow into being able to always be in a growth mode or at least mostly growth mode, right? Or because you run into issues where like the landscape changes, right? What's acceptable, you know, in the industry or what's hot in the industry starts to cool off. And it's like, okay, well, what's what's that next thing, right? That's why we go to like trade shows and industry mm, shows mm-hmm. and read industry magazines when that, when that was a thing, industry blogs and, and all that. Totally. So for me, when we hired, when I had my first business coach, we had grown the business and it was like there was this invisible ceiling and we just couldn't push through it. And I just, I remember saying to my business partner at the time, like, we don't know what we don't know. I don't know how to get like through to this next level. I think we need to speak to someone to help us to see what we can't see right now because we've reached the end of our knowledge for where we're at right now. And when I think about, and I've had a business coach consistently for probably 15 years now, not the same one, had different coaches. And I'm just thinking, I just hired a new coach only about eight weeks ago. And it was the same thing. It's like, okay, I've reached a ceiling. I don't quite know how to get, like I've got some ideas, but I don't quite know how to get to that next level. So then I had to find someone who can help me get to that next level. So for me, I haven't looked before I needed it. I always have had a symptom and then gone and looked. But I'd love to know for you, Jen and Joe, like if that's the same for you. Yeah, I think you made you know made a great point. It's kind of like when you're when you're stuck and you can't move forward without some sort of guidance, right? Like like you said, you've tapped out of your knowledge, your skills, your expertise. And unless you do something and get somebody else involved that knows more than you do, you're going to stay in at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think part of that is just being stuck, recognizing that you're stuck, but also being willing to take action because coaching is not just somebody listening to your problems, right? You actually have to be accountable to change. And I think mm. you know, for poor coaches, that's probably the most you know frustrating part for them is when their clients don't take action, you know? So yeah, that's, you know, I think I'm pretty much answering it just like you did. 
So we we agree again. I love it. We always agree, Jen. We mostly <laughs> we mostly agree. But Joe, you actually brought up a really good point that I'd love you to speak into. Well, are you surprised that I actually yes, said yes. you've got a good point? Oh, come on. I say you have good points all the time. And that's that a lot of people don't reach out to a coach because of their ego because it can be – it's quite vulnerable going and working with a coach mm-hmm. when you really – you know, you've got to tell the truth, otherwise you're not going to get the most out of that coach and sometimes you have to share things that you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, but that's exactly what you need to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So – for you, Joe, how have you got around that ego piece? Like, obviously, some people don't. I think it's coming across as being that listener, right? I think it starts with with listening and being able to communicate and having people. For me, it's like podcasting and now YouTube and just getting people to feel comfortable with you before they ever like pick up the phone, even if they're not necessarily say, ready to move on being a, a client or able to afford it or even necessarily know what that symptom is at the time. Because like sometimes we're like, oh, I, I really want to work with this person. But and I actually had this happen not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, where they were like, we love what you do. We we really, you know, thought provoking questions on YouTube and all that led us to like, you know, pick up the proverbial phone. Really, they sent an email. And ask that like, hey, how can we work together? What can we do? So in that case, it's a little different than having like the I provide X solution for the thing because they were like looking for the problem for me to provide a solution for. So we actually had to work together to figure out like, well, okay, here's here's like the two diverging paths that we could work on. And we we could either do them at the same time or separately, but depending on your budget and the amount of time that you have, it might not be a good fit. So let's focus in on one of the two. And then they decide on which of the two to go with. So then we were able to to move forward and like actually start the like an actual conversation about what does that look like? What does that cost? And and all of that. So to me, I think being able to get your messaging across to people, even when they're not necessarily in that way. I was just talking with uh, who was it? Uh, in my business mastermind, I was we were talking about how people don't necessarily see themselves as quote unquote small business owners, even though they like literally are. And here in America, that's like makes up 80% of the business, you know, all business in general. And it kind of is a problem, even though companies like Visa and American Express constantly are hammering home the idea of small business owner, small business owner, small business owner. And it's like, but I'm not a small business owner. You know, I'm, I own my little hair salon or oh, really? I own my own bakery or I own. Yeah. Like it's all about that super niche of understanding like that particular industry in some way so that you can. I mean, obviously for avatar hitting, it, it really helps if that's the case. But when you're talking to small business, it's still kind of hard because there's a lot of. I don't want to say stigma, but like even people that see themselves as entrepreneurs don't see themselves as as small business owners. And people that do see themselves as small business owners don't necessarily see themselves as entrepreneurs. And it's like can be different language to reach that audience. And uh, mm. breaking down the ego, to me, it's it's really just getting people as comfortable as possible with what you how you talk and how you work with people and and then still having that problem of like, when it actually comes time to make those changes, right? Because they're like, I like talking with you. It's awesome. What's great? Like, let's have that great conversation. 
But when it comes to actually facing my real problems, like the actual real people that are involved with these issues, that's where, you know, having the right coach that's been there and done those things, specifically those things, and had those difficult conversations is is super, super important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really important to go find a coach that helps with the specific problem that you have. I would agree. I would definitely agree there. So yeah, I I think just getting people comfortable with how you talk, how you do things, you know, being as real. I mean, from a coach's standpoint, being as real as possible is is probably the best. I mean, that's the same with with any business though, right? That's why we do the marketing, right? Marketing is what you tell people. Branding is what they think of you. So, you know, it really, it's, it's like, how do you get people to feel comfortable with the brand trust, right? And build that relationship. And that relationship might not be a two way relationship, even though they, you want them to feel like it's a two way relationship. It's like that. But in this case, it's, it's a lot more one on one, like person to person kind of things that you need to look for. And I think it's also important that they self identify to a point, even if it's like not you, like they don't necessarily self identify with like, Oh, this specific type of person, you know, physically, but like the mental, the thought process, how they mannerisms, like things that people don't even, it's all subconsciously Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. processing in their mind. Being able to self-identify there can make all the world a difference. And it's why even like sports, we see coaches fail at one team, go to another team, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, they, well, yeah, they might have had like, they might have walked into a pretty good situation, but like even good situations can go really, really wrong if you're not putting the right, you know, the right messaging and things together. Well, you make a relationship. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the relationships. Well, I was just going to say the relationships need to be aligned. But yeah. Jen, I'm, I think that's where you were going. Yeah, I was just, well, I, it just reminds me when I, I like Sam, I also work with a personal trainer. I've had the same one for a while. But my first personal trainer was a delightful woman, knew her stuff. But when she trained me, it was all girl talk all the time. And as much as I enjoyed our conversations, I realized that I was barely breaking a sweat in the hour that I was spending with her. <laughs> So, you know, I had to leave that relationship. And then the next time when I went to the gym, you know, looking at who they had available, I said, I don't want a friendly trainer. I want the grumpiest, you know, quietest, like hard ass trainer that you can give me because I have enough friends and I'm <laughs> out. And and that's exactly what they did. And um, I got the the perfect, you know, like he's not chatty and he he works you every minute that he, you know, you're with him. And now, you know, we've been, he's been my trainer for a number of years. Of course, we're friendly and, you know, it's, you know, I like him, he likes me, but it was, like you said, you've got to find the right, a right fit on a number of levels. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you have a very, a very close relationship with your coach. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would even say the you know the consultant right unless they're just coming there to just do training right for like one on many training you know there's still some of it's all I mean all businesses relationship right so you really still have to be able to work that end of it but when it ta- when you're talking about like one on one it really comes down to relationship mm, totally well for you too right or for the coaches too right like you have to make sure it's a good fit for you like it goes both ways because you don't want to work with somebody that you don't feel is ready to be coached or might not be receptive to and and take action because really the hard work they still have to do a lot of hard work you know based on your guidance but if they're not going to do the work then and or if you don't think they're going to do the work they might not be 
a great client because that results for you. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I would say like if you were going to go and search out somebody, you know, because it's like, hey, we found the symptom, right, of a, of a problem or we recognize that there is a problem that we actually need to address. And we're lucky enough to actually know what the problem is and not the not the symptom of the, the problem. How do we go about finding that right person? Sam, you want to you want to start with that? Well, I can I can only speak for me, right? For me, I know what my symptoms are. So I'm always I find my coaches on social media. Because I watch them. I watch the content they're putting out. I join their mail list. I'm, you know, reading what they're talking about. I'm listening to what they're talking about. I'm having a look at what their clients' results are and just matching up. Do I vibe with this person? Is this person right? So, you know, I actually don't find a coach by Googling for me. I, I would normally just find them on social media through other people that mention people and then you know, I'll go and watch them for a while. And that's how I do it. All right. So I'll add to, add to that. I would say the other way to go about doing it is uh, looking at articles that are published, you know, on those plat on different platforms like the entrepreneur.com and things of that nature. I mean, a lot of that is paid for buddy, buddy, blah, 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 backdoor kind of things. But it does open it opens your eyes to like what else is out there and cuz googling actually can be kind of hard to find this unless you're looking in it a can. specific yeah. area personnel or like a specific problem that you're trying to solve or in a specific area in which you live it can be really hard to find anything that's meaningful when you're looking for a specific kind of code and one that's maybe in your price range as well because you know the the $100,000 an hour coach but or consultant but can we find the one that actually does what we want specific to what we actually need and doesn't cost us like our entire business to get it? Well, on that, can I just say that yeah. when you're looking for a coach, that amount should be an investment, not a cost. So as long as you're getting a return on that investment, the cost is actually irrelevant. So I think that's quite dangerous to look just on a cost because... You know, if you put in a hundred dollars and you get out two hundred dollars, then that's great. If you put in a hundred thousand and you get in out two hundred thousand, then that's even better, right? So the cost is actually irrelevant as long as you're getting a return on your investment. So I don't, I don't disagree, but we all have budgets that we work within, and that's where when I say cost, that's what I'm referring to. So yes, it is an investment as everything that we I mean, you buy a book. <laughs> that's an investment, right? The investment of the time, the money, and you know, hopefully you get something out of said book, you get something out of something course training, seminar, whatever it is that you're going to watching this show right now, <laughs> like you're getting something out of it, right? So there is a quote unquote cost it's an investment at the same the amount of money that you're budgeted to be able to spend. Yeah, mm -hmm. everyone would love to be able to spend $100,000 and get 200,000 out. That's awesome. But, <laughs> you know, you literally might not have $100,000 at least all at once or however mm -hmm. it's structured to be able to even responsibly do that, right? So, yeah, but let me just actually I'll just this is a something that's happened just recently. I had a client that had been working with me for a while. She wanted to go work with someone else because it was cheaper. No issue at all. I don't have a problem with that at all. That person has recently come back and said, it was cheaper, but I've had zero results. Can I come back? 
that's why I wanted to really show that you need to know whilst it's got to be in your budget and I get that, do not make your decisions on cost. And you know what? I totally agree. I mean, it really comes down to like, okay, so I could work with the budget person for $1,000 or I could spend $900 more, which is a lot of money, but it's there's a big difference between like $900 more and like $20,000 or $30,000 more, right? And that's where it's like, am I actually going to get what I paid for? Because I actually have a similar story with that where uh, someone that I work with said like, oh, I... I I'm also working, or I was also working with this other person, and they never showed up to the masterminds. They, mm-hmm. or if they did, they were always super late. They were super underprepared. They didn't mm-hmm. have anything to really add at all. And ultimately, I, I feel like I just threw away six months of money and, and time mm-hmm. in this person who I thought was a, a valuable person. So I think that brings up a great point in and of itself of, is the person that you're hiring, the consultant, the coach, are they showing up, right? Mm. I mean, look, not everyone's going to be on every social media platform, you know, uh, 24-7. But have they at least proven that, say, one social media platform? They don't have to be on every single one. But have they proven on, like, one platform or even just our website, like, consistently adding articles? Articles that, mind you, if you, like, take a paragraph and Google that paragraph, you don't find on a ton of other sites because they paid somebody, you know, to write an article, quote-unquote, for them. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, it's easy to fake it if you just pay somebody to write, you know, nonsense articles and just basically stealing other people's stuff and putting it on your site or even social media for that matter. So, like, do your due diligence and find out. Like, don't just base it off of, well, you know, they're writing all these articles. Like, Google it, (laughs) you know. Uh, Let me me Google that for you. Absolutely. That's why I think I've just done 10 mic takeovers on my podcast and the people that we've had on – they haven't submitted their questions to me. So I've answered them all on the fly. And I wanted that specifically because I want my audience to know what the amount of knowledge that I have in my head is. So that's the way that I've got around that. Because every day I'm getting these mic takeovers that ask me questions. I have to think on the spot. I think it's that, really great. That's impressive. And that's mm. one of the reasons why we do this show the way we do now, right? Is uh-huh. Neither of you knew what we were going to talk about literally before. We have a couple of yeah. articles. There's a question here from Daniel Vega that we're going to get to in a second. I didn't want to pull okay. it up until we were able, ready to answer. But, um, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, why I choose to do my show, like my, my Shark Tank reaction show in real time with everything. Because I want people to see, like, I'm actually problem solving. I'm actually writing the notes like right here in my book right like it's it's all happening in real time and mm. yeah i don't always get the math right i'm not a human calculator because no, we're my human was <laughs> my grandfather was i am not i didn't get that gene uh so you know i can't even write a phone number down honestly without making you stop to repeat the numbers like three or four times you know as i go through writing because i can't think and write and process at the same time like that. My brain doesn't work that way, right? But understanding that I have limitations and I'm confident with those limitations to be able to to do it and then put myself in a position where we're coming up with, you know, answers and potential solutions and potential problems and all that processing and I think that to me is more powerful than than creating something that's a highlight reel of what I could potentially do, right? Mm-hmm, and and to, mm-hmm. That's me. And that's how I view it. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think that probably, like you said earlier, helps earn that trust from people that have never met you in person because they are seeing this authentic 
experience, you know, playing out in front of them. You can't fake it. You know, it is what it is. So, you know, that's, that's not a bad approach at all, Joe. <laughs> I like it. I like well, thank it. you. I, I appreciate it. And uh, Tim, it's good to see you in the chat. Smart businesses invest in their employees' success in order to get loyalty and avoid turnover. So I'm still trying to figure out where to put the logo at in the corner here. So yeah, absolutely. We did that, a ton of that at uh, back in the Pardo truck parts days. And even now in the Pardo fleet solutions days, we actually just expanded to like a whole second building where there's like a, no, uh, a whole conference room that is going to be a, become a training center for the uh, techs to be able to go and do that those trainings and get those trainings in a in a learning environment not just in a standing in the middle of the shop and everybody stopped what they're doing to you know to walk around uh stand around a uh particular like person doing it kind of setting so i couldn't agree more so we did have a uh, question from daniel vega sorry i keep making jen having to like do I know. that <laughs> she's not centered in know. her screen <laughs> <laughs> Says, uh, what to do when you have great sales, but all of a sudden your sales go down. How do you go back up? (laughs) No, no. you ride the wave, right? (laughs) No. Well, well, Daniel, uh, I don't know. Well, first you got to diagnose the problem, right? Why Mm. did your sales go down? Is it market saturation? Is it you know the quality of the product? Time of the year. Time of the Mm -hmm. year. You know. Is it a great product or a crabby product? And now that it's out in the, the market, do people not like it? Is it broken? I, I mean, it could be any number of factors. So I think you have to diagnose it first before you fix it. 100%. Yeah, there is tons of things. And also, just like, look, numbers don't lie, right? I fullheartedly believe that. I've lived it, experienced it. But how you slice those numbers can very much tell two different pictures, right? Like the same as comparing, oh, we're comparing December to January. Well, it, depending on what retail we're in, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, what, what situation we're in, December might be, a, you know, when you make most of your money, November and December, maybe a little bit of October versus January when it's like there is no Christmas rush, there is no holiday rush. And you're left like, wow, like where did all the money go? And that hopefully is only in your first year, maybe two years that you, you know, as you start to build that data from month to the month to month data over the course of a year to two years to three years, you'll start to see like that it's not necessarily gone down. It's just part of the ebbs and flows of how the, you know, the industry that you're in is. So how do you get it to go back up? Well, I mean, there's lots of ways, right? There's ads to the marketing. There's plenty of examples that I, I can think of all the top of my head where there was people who rested their marketing during the the illness, right? They they were like, well, we have tons of business coming our way anyway. So, you know, it's it's fine. We don't have to do any extra marketing or anything like that. And there's companies that were like, yeah, cool, great. I'm glad that my competition is sitting around not marketing. I'm going to use this time to keep my potential customers and my customers with me at top of mind for when they do need things, even though things might already be good, if not great, into a, actually to a fault where we saw a lot of businesses like literally sell out of everything. And it's like, well, we have nothing. <laughs> we have nothing here. But I mean, to me, that's a marketing opportunity too. come check out our bears, our bears uh, shelves, right? Like 
this is how good they, you know, this is how things are going, but we're going to work on it. It becomes a mess, uh, sticking point, right? So, and there was a few companies that I saw do similar type things where they taught like, hey, look, yeah, the inventory thing, the whole chip shortage thing, the whole, you know, supply chain thing, very real. We're dealing with it, but here's how we're going to make it better, a better experience for you. So if we don't have what you need, uh, then we're going to find a way to go get it. And th- in this case, it was, it's a car company, a car uh, dealership, right? So it's like coming out and being forthright is more of a marketing opportunity to me than sitting back and being like, well, we sold out of cars, we sold out of the RVs, we sold out of this and that. Yeah, you know, we're doing we're doing fine. We're not even going to bother making sure that people uh, have us at top of mind for when things do get better. Mm-hmm. So that's one way, right? And the other way, you know, you can leverage sales, right? So if the supply chain thing isn't on your end of it, right? It's not your, it's not part of the problem that you're running into. To me, you know, running sales, I would also see like, what can you do about doing local stuff, depending on what kind of business you run? Like, even though there wasn't maybe a ton of indoor events over the course of the last two years, there's still plenty of outdoor events that you could like go and sponsor one of those, like, you know, show up with a tent and a booth for one of those. Going deeper, here's here's here you go. Go deeper into your analytics that you have, right? Your customer database as far as who are the customers, what are they buying, what did they buy before, when's the last time they bought from me, how can I structure that message so that I could reach them again and potentially get them to come back. Also look at what's your checkout rate, like the total, right? When people check out w- with you, how much is they, they at? Like if we're if we're talking like, oh, well, people check out, it's say eight nine like eight fifty to nine dollars uh, is what the average checkout rate is. Well, how do we get that to ten dollars? How do we get that to ten fifty? How do we get that to twelve dollars? It's easier to keep a customer that you have and get them to buy more because they trust, as we talked before about trust and relationships, it's easier to keep them and get them to spend another dollar, two dollars, three dollars. And we've seen it a lot through the illness here, especially uh, Chipotle is one of those one of those guilty parties where they're like, yeah, we don't really have a, any supply chain issues. We're, we're, we're actually good, but we keep raising the prices anyway because people are just used to paying higher prices. But, you know, being able to inch that up, enables you to fix some of that problem, right? And also maybe fixing your profit margin on certain items, right? Making sure that you're also injecting product into those checkouts that have high profit margin. Kind of like when you go to check out at a grocery store and there's candy right there. Why is the candy there? High profit margin item. It's right when there you, to boost it. When you've got a high profit margin, this is what we did as well. Always have a look at those fast moving or the popular with a high profit margin and put those prices up. And it's really hard because we don't know what Daniel's, yeah, you know, business is. But, you know, if you're selling something all day, every day, and it's got a good profit margin and it's $9, just making it, you know, putting it up to $10, if you're moving a lot of it, can actually add a lot of extra revenue. So I'm finding it difficult because I don't know what the business is, but Knowing what those key drivers are, putting up prices, profit margins, increasing your basket price, they're all really good tips. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all those little things, right? I mean, that that's one of the things where, you know, we would sell these commodity items that are expensive, they're heavy, like brake drums that go on 
big rig trucks, right? They're, they they weigh like up to like 100 pounds. You can't get, you know, because they're so commoditized, you couldn't get a lot of money for them. So the, the profit margin like might only be like $10. So it's like we're buying it at $64. The most we could sell it for is like 72 to, you know, 74. And the problem is, is they take up a lot of space. You know, you only get like 16 or 20 of them on a pallet. And pal, you know, there's only so many pallets you can put around in a place. So you you run into this problem where it's like, okay, we need to bit we need to sell these other things and mark these other things up to be able to boost that. So like the butt connectors, where it's like, I don't know, two dollars for a bag of a hundred of them, right? Well, if we make it three dollars, is anyone going to notice? If we make it four dollars, is really? I mean, it's you know, it, we're talking about such a such a small jump in price comparatively speaking, but. It's not something that people are going to go and notice. So I, I think you know from from marketing, uh, sales, going deeper into your analytics of what you you know what the people like the segments of people that you have and what they buy and what you could also market to them after they've bought that. Depending on what software you're using, there's so many. As Sam said, there's so many like catches to that. But just the, getting in that thought process of like, what can I do to get that customer back to buy again, right? What's what's my return rate on customers coming in and buy, spending again? Because if that's not high enough, you're eventually going to run out of customers. That's a problem too, right? There's only so many people in a, so many markets and industries and niches that are going to go and continue to buy. That's why you see like these companies... I just redid a video on my channel for the Lark water bottle. It's a $100 self-cleaning water bottle. Well, you buy a $100 water, bo- water bottle once, right? Mm. So now they have the straw version where it has a built-in filter. So instead of like cleaning the water with the light, like a UV light, it's cleaning the water with the filter. So every two months you need another filter, right? So all of a sudden it's like it becomes that filter business, like uh, the like the water, like the Brita water pitcher business, where it's like okay, every they also have a pitcher too. So it's like every two months, three months, they're buying another filter, and you start to create that recurring revenue because there's only so many you know, self-cleaning water bottles that people could have in their, in their closet. Mm, true. So looking, looking in those directions too, what can, what other services, right? Ser- service, add service to your business. That'll help it go up as well. Install the things that you sell. I mean, there's just so many different ways to bundle things in to make that happen for you. So yeah, but start with the customers that, that, that know, like, and trust you <laughs> out of the gate that those are the easiest ones to convert Absolutely. for that. Oh man! So, do we want to talk about Elon Musk, or do we want to talk about what was the what was the other one? Disney. I had there was there was a Disney article. I don't. No. I think that I don't know that there's a lot to talk about with the Disney article. Okay, let's let's talk about the oopsie that Elon Musk's team had. You know, you're having a bad day when uh, what like eighty some percent of your business model falls out, literally falls out of the sky, right? And, <laughs> and implodes. And I don't mean to laugh because I feel bad. Like that, that sucks. Because somebody, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody loses a job over that, right? So Elon Musk, and I'm waiting for the article to load here for me because it's taking a while. But anyway, the geomagnetic storms that come from the sun, people were worried about that here on the on planet Earth. When really they, I mean, technically, it's still planet Earth, well, but we... worried about it in space, right? With all the satellites, the thousands of satellites that surround our Earth, our rock. And in this case, there was a big geomagnetic storm that happened, I guess it was last week or late last week, 
that caused uh, 40 of the 49 Starlink satellites that Elon Musk's team from SpaceX have put up into space to malfunction and fall back down to Earth. A very expensive proposition to have to deal with. And I thought it was an interesting article. I Apparently, I can't find the article right now. I don't know. Maybe maybe CNBC uh, took it down. No, no, no. It's still there. No, it's up. I've got, it's it, up. I've got it up. Yeah, I'm having a look. What's interesting, though, is that we're in the, like this, apparently this 11-year solar cycle, and this is only kind of the beginning, and the solar maximum, they're calling it, when, it, when it's going to get really bad, is until 2025. So, what's their plan now? That's what I want to know. What's their plan now? That That's is... not good. They're going to have to make tougher satellites. <laughs> there you go. Elon Musk knows <laughs> that they need to make more satellites. So, Tough yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that is a, that industry, you know, Thor, my husband works in the aerospace industry and is involved in satellites, yeah. you know, systems and simulations and things. So it is a big deal to lose one satellite, but to lose that, I mean, Elon has bigger pockets than most in the industry, but still, I mean, that's catastrophic. Yeah. That it is. I'm, I finally, looks like I can share my screen because I was able to get it. Yeah. And, uh, nearly a full launch's worth of companies. Oop, Joe, you're dropping out again. Oh, we no. Might, we might need to unshare. <laughs> Solar oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. It must be a solar storm. Is that be- is that better now? Yeah, uh, yeah you're back. You're back. You oh, are okay. Back. Well, I'm wondering, did it say what what the impact would be on like Starlink services? I know um, having a home in the mountains, a lot of us in the middle of nowhere on waiting lists for Starlink. I was wondering that too. Hmm. And I don't think, I mean, the first article I saw talked about forty of the forty nine satellites that's a big hit that's a big hit yeah that's that's like massive a lot of coverage gone yeah yeah a lot a lot of coverage gone there so yeah yeah so i can't imagine that it is working or it works for most and if it is it's probably as spotty as anything i Um, bet he's gonna be buying up some smaller satellite companies soon because it takes a while to build a satellite (laughs) He's going to probably snatch up some smaller players. You know, I, well, that's I have probably a, good good news for them, right? Good news for them, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ring the, the cha-ching bell for them. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually have a friend in the aerospace industry as well, and I should have reached out to her for comment on this because she, uh, she wanted to be an astronaut, but unfortunately due to medical reasons was not able to do it, but she still got to work for, I want to say NASA sending you know satellites up into space and things of that nature so yeah i will uh i will have to reach out to her and see what her take on that is as well but yeah when things go wrong you know this, this is the kind of thing where it's like how did nobody know this like it's not like geomagnetic storms are new no they knew it was going to happen they yeah. knew it was going to happen so nobody's yeah. a bigger bigger gambler than elon musk though like <laughs> you know i mean you can't be a visionary and not take a lot of risks. I mean, that he's... That's 100% correct. Yeah. You know, he knew the risk. 
It certainly is a you know certainly was a risk that has been taken, and and now they gotta lick their wounds and and figure out what's next, right? And and it just goes to show you like nobody's uh, perfect, right? It doesn't matter how much money, how big your company is. Uh, in fact, I was just talking with somebody who who I was you know potentially going to be working with. They they actually were like, well, I know you work with business owners, but. I work within a big health insurance company and I really would love your help to be able to help climb that corporate ladder and solve some of the problems that we have within the company because even though they're like one of the biggest, it doesn't matter. They still run into those kinds of problems. Oh, yeah. Maybe even more mm-hmm. so because they're not as agile and they just get caught into yeah. like doing things the same old way, lots of paperwork, lots of bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And, and the, the problems are bigger. Because they're not as agile, they, they're bigger and they grow faster. And when you're a little bit slow to do something with those problems, they can turn into huge problems. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why I know you two beat me up about the idea of calling customer service. But, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why. The reason isn't always just self-serving. The reason is because I'm genuinely curious about the inner workings of those companies. And, like, how does something like, you know, a company, you order one thing. And they ship something different because they like swap the order. How do they not have an easier way of dealing with that than literally me wasting about two hours of my life between driving back and forth to a store that they said, Oh, we can't do anything with that. You got to call, you got to call the dot com, you know, site in order to get service on that. Right. And it's like, well, but you guys are the same people. I know it's, you know, online and, and brick and mortar might not be the same, even though they're the same. And that's why you always got to check online for the price. Because you could be at the Target. I'll tell you, the price on Target.com is not going to be the price in the store. But they will price match it <laughs> for you if you want that kind of service. Okay. Right? So, that's just something to know. Right? I bought a, a mixer or something like that. And it, I was like, but, you know, it's like 120 in the store, but it's $100 on Target.com. I'm like, so, am I, are you going to price match your own site or what are we doing here? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll do it. But you got to go over there to customer service. Customer and like. Service. Of course you of course. <laughs> and when you go to customer service, more. they're like, check it out, look who's coming. It's Joe yeah. Pardo. Uh-huh. <laughs> First name basis at all customer service. <laughs> well, I wanna know if do you guys think that Elon Musk cried? I feel like he I I think I feel Can you give cried. me an idea, Jen? Like what is the rough kind of cost of a satellite? Because I actually have no I don't understand kind of like how big a deal this is. Like, I guess it's big, but I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Millions of I was I was hundred million. million. Uh, million. A typical 30. weather satellite carries a price tag of two hundred and ninety million dollars. A spy oh, satellite might cost an additional one hundred million dollars. So a spy satellite might be almost four hundred million dollars. Obviously, Starlink's not that big. They're, they're smaller satellites. But the technology on them uh, lost 40 Starlink satellites are reportedly worth as much as $20 million all at once. So That's a lot of money. Somebody That's a lot of money just money. overnight to lose, isn't it? Somebody be with and to, not, and to not just lose that, but to know that you've got to find that again to get them back up there. I mean, that's uh, that's got to represent like just years and years of, you know, lost time and effort. Oh, Somebody, yeah, please be. I don't think. I don't think time. he didn't cry. He didn't cry. Oh, he didn't I cry. He cried. I don't think so. Twenty. It, so it's twenty million dollars total because each one is between two hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollars. 
yeah, once it's made, but what about all the man hours that were paid? And the, yeah. you know, I mean, that it, it represents a much uh, bigger loss than 20 million. The supporting those satellites, yeah. maintaining those satellites. Oh, it's expensive. So it says, yeah. meanwhile, SpaceX disclosed in 2020 that each Falcon 9 launch costs around $30 million. So in total, this abortive operation that could have cost ah, SpaceX we around $50 we've got, million. We've got an answer cost. in the chat here. To, uh, oh, he said he I, cried. He cried. <laughs> I told you he cried? Of course, he's human. Yeah. He's human. Of course yeah. he cried. I knew he's it. He just lost 80% of I mean. his satellites. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't check his Twitter to find out that he. Yeah, I guess he. I guess he did cry. And of course uh, he thank cry. you. Big t- big big old cry. Yes. Big ugly cry. A big big ugly cry. But <laughs> 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 he wipe his tears with the cash that he has. No, he doesn't have any left. No, he's using Kleenex. Oh please! Please, twenty million dollars <laughs> is nothing. How you know how much he sold in stock? How many, how many billions of dollars did he sell in stocks over the summer? No, a lot. It was a lot. He he know. cashed out a bunch. Fine. Of, a bunch of I know stocks. he's gonna be fine, but that yeah, but it would still hurt. It's a like, huge it doesn't lot. matter how rich you are. You don't want to hand over twenty million dollars just like just for no reason. And it was definitely yeah. I mean, and he's got to pay for all those launches again. Those launches are a big deal. This is really yeah, the, expensive. Yeah, well, that was that was more expensive. The launch was apparently more expensive than yeah. the actual satellite costs. And but also, yeah. there's going to be oh. like a, a time frame here that he can't get back. You can't just that. suddenly get forty satellites today and get them back up there tomorrow. Like, not it's not just a money thing; it's a time thing. It is a time thing. And now, okay, so now we talked about him like maybe snatching up the smaller players, but now I'm thinking. Those smaller players maybe like see the opportunity to catch up and be more competitive because their satellites haven't, you know, spontaneously mm. combusted in space. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the in the air. Well, th- right, so here's the bigger question, right? The bigger, bigger question, question is, is yeah, there is a bigger question because you can't just eat, even though you could spend money and like in theory six months a year get those forty satellites back up. What are you going to do to fix the actual problem? Because <laughs> the problem isn't going away, as we as we talked about earlier, right? It's, we need Tom Cruise. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse <laughs> as these years go by. And it, clearly, if the satellites they have were not good enough to be able to withstand what is happening now, yeah, it sure as heck ain't going to be good enough when it, when it comes. Totally. Uh, what if he you just know, throws in the towel? He's like, you know what? We don't need some. We don't need these I satellites. Don't, I don't think <laughs> we so. We do need them. I mean, there's a lot of space trash out there now because of these broken satellites. Not there is. That is a. There are a lot of huge things. Yeah, it's a yeah. Huge, do we need more space trash? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, I don't know. There was a, a great video from Kirk Kazar in a nutshell on YouTube that talked about this week talking about what if the moon magic space things happened and the moon slowed down and instead of moving away from the earth, it actually started coming towards the earth and it would only take like a year. But the reason that you were talking you know, the space trash thing is the moon actually wouldn't hit the earth. It would actually end up breaking up before it hit the earth. And then turn into a million, like basically a, a Saturn ring around the Earth, which is effectively what we're trying to accomplish with all the space junk that we just leave out there. And and it doesn't take much for like one screw, like one to hit one and then a screw to go unmapped in the grand scheme of things and then cause all kinds of damage. If you haven't seen, mm. what's that, what was that movie with George Clooney and 
I can't think of her name. That ever, Julia Roberts. There was a space movie. They were in space. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, I can't think of the the movie. It, it was it was pretty good, but it kind of talked about that where it's like what you know one collision happens to another collision and we've had stuff like this happen the other not that long ago where some space junk almost hit i think it was a chinese satellite or something to that effect gravity there you go nick nick chi is nick in the house good to see, <laughs> good to see you. and what are the what were the wolves gonna do the, we don't have a moon what are they gonna howl at this is Bigger than, bigger than just the Earth. <laughs> Sandra Bullock, that was it. It wasn't uh, Julia Roberts. I'm yeah. sorry. I apologize. Raffi, it's good to see you in the chat as <laughs> well. I apologize. It's I don't know. How do you pronounce that? Is it? It's well, I wasn't sure. It's Lasala, and I don't know Lasala? if I'm saying that. Wait, okay. Yeah, it's Lasala. Lasala, Lasala. Well, thank you so much it's for being Lasala. here with us, Lasala. And Nick says day is over. That is awesome to hear. <laughs> glad you're glad you're joining us. Yeah, the, well, the tides is. I mean, it's, it would really mess up the world. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, big it's time. A depress, it's a depressing out. video. Well, let's Super not let's not video. talk about that then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have a nightmare tonight. Is guaranteed. Yeah, like come on. <laughs> Oh, we got it right. That's awesome. That's so, so good. good. At good, least we'll good. figure out if the moon really is made of cheese. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I like Walk, to think on the positive side things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that pretty much wraps up this week's uh, <gasps> business ski. So we didn't talk about, well, two things. We didn't talk about our sponsor. So we, we do have something else to talk about. But our sponsor, yourpodcastconcierge.com. Leon does a phenomenal job. In fact, I was just talking to him a little earlier about my conundrum that we were talking about before we started, Sam and Jen. And it's it, it's so great to have such a wonderful person to not only to have that business relationship with, but a friend, you know, build a friendship with. You should totally go check out yourpodcastconcierge.com if you want to get your podcast off the ground and not have to do the editing, not have to worry about any of the posting and all that stuff. Leon and his team take care of it all. And thank you so much, Leon, for doing that for yeah, us here. They're the pod guys. I love <laughs> Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully with these files of this new system, uh, don't let my internet problems be, be the problem. Like that was separate from the problems I think we've had mostly here on this platform. Anyway, so last week we talked about privately about moving this show to being every two weeks instead of every week. So, yeah, I, I know it's like... We're, we're both like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, did you not like that? I, well, I, I know it was my... Okay, it was my idea. It was my it was my suggestion. And I, I will be honest, it, I, it was more difficult than I was predicting to have a committed slot, an additional committed slot on my calendar. I, I put a lot of emphasis in my life on time freedom and having a lot of control over my schedule. But I do have some things that are set on my schedule a week that are business related and I don't mind them. But adding that extra thing, it just ended up being like, it was a little too much. It was a little too much to have like something just sitting on the calendar in an immovable thing. I don't know if you felt that way, Sam. Maybe it's just me. That's why I was like, if we could just go every other week. I Well, there was a reason I answered you so very, very quickly. Okay, okay, I put that out there. Good, good, good. good, good, good. So we tried it. We missed a week and we came back. And I have to say, it felt so much better. Like for me, it was, I think that's the space I needed to make this work. Mm -hmm. And I'm on vacation next week. So I was all like, all for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Which was last week for you, right? Or this upcoming week? No, I leave in two days. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so she doesn't miss the business geeks because... Exactly. I worked it all out. So be honest, Joe, did you, did, you didn't want to go to every other week. Did we? Did uh, no, but you? it's funny. I actually... So I, I scheduled two separate live streams for this. Well, one, not specifically for the four o'clock time slot, but for like three o'clock or two o'clock on the same day to try to fill in that gap so I could get the space time, you know, with my audience and all that. And it is hard to fit this stuff in, especially with two mm. kids. I mean, you just yeah. don't know what some literally the next minute is going to bring. Yeah. And that's why. So for me, I love the idea of, of still like bringing something every week to this channel. But you know, I, I miss, I would miss having both of you regardless, but I was, but both of my guests canceled last second or last somewhat in the last quote unquote last second for emergencies that they had. So it was like, oh, I got these live streams and I had to like cancel them. And then it's like, I had other things going on. You know, we, like I, I said at the top of the show, you know, having lost a couple of uh, close people to me, it's been, it's been kind of tough. And just a lot of other balance, business balancing things going on and decisions being made and, and all that. And then trying to stay on the content wheel of how do I keep producing Shark Tank pitches and, and these other videos. And now, I don't know if either of you have seen, we did uh, a couple of reviews of Shark Tank products with the kids mm-hmm. and Melissa. So mm-hmm, that's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun to do. We're batch recording them so we can like get together get the kids and get them, you know, all dressed up and or whatever and shoot them and then get, you know, get on with their lives and then I just edit and put them out over time. But mm-hmm. yeah, so there's there's a lot of things like that that's just, you know, happening behind the scenes and trying to make the live stream time is tough too as well for yeah, me. But, yeah. but I but I do love being here. I love being sure. a part of the business geeks and having both of you here and getting to share you with my audience as well. On top of that is awesome. Yeah, uh, it's so fun. You have a great audience. Yes. Everybody thank is you. friendly. Thank you for inviting us. We are, you know, always up for a, a little Joe, Super Joe Pardo party. So well, it's not just me. It's not just about me. It's about all three of us, you know, and well, that's, you know, that's what it would be if, you know, that's what it would be. <laughs> that's what it, it was going. To, the plan was out of the gate back when we started this whole thing, you know, two years now ago, over two years ago. Yeah. So, mm. uh, and yeah, so it's been, <laughs> we got uh, you do it in the comments saying world's biggest troll. I'm not friendly. <laughs> oh, that's, that's uh, the best when people are just so honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. So I had, it's so weird getting the, these comments. I get them at like, Two o'clock in the morning, telling me that I'm a clown, and it's from a but it's from a person. I assume a person, not a bot, who has no videos on their channel, and their name is Shrooms. And it's like I'm the clown. I'm I'm the one finding my video at two o'clock. I mean, I have a global audience, and it's not two o'clock everywhere. In the, you know, in the morning. But it's just a it's a weird the internet's a weird place, <laughs> you know. That so many names shrooms. Place, and it's the it's... place you're supposed to be. So I <laughs> yeah, we're talking about truth. There's some more truth. <laughs> <laughs> the harsh, the harsh truth. Harsh truth. Well, harsh you know, truth. if you want the harsh truth, Jen will give it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll work but on with love. <laughs> with love. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if you want to answer this real quick, quick question here. What's your favorite Shark Tank pitch? Do either of you have a favorite Shark Tank pitch? I do not. It's hard to pick um, one. Uh, the funnest one was the little girl with the elephant spoon. 
I just did that. Maybe the little yeah. Hawaiian girl. I did that's got the, the, the baby swing. tune. Yeah, the ten-year-old. Yes. Yeah, yes. she's that, just that like the, the most cutest, smartest little uh, entrepreneur yeah. that's only ten years old. I can't the, wait to see where she goes. The one I remember that's older is um, he was a, a farmer and he made these tents to go over the base of like the TP tree tent TP or farmers like to collect rainwater and like to lower like the costs I guess I think of watering crops and things and he was so mm-hmm. um memorable because he was so genuine and, and and created it for to help other people other farmers that were struggling if I remember correctly so he got a little teary-eyed and like he just had everybody you know loving him at the end I don't remember the deal but I remember mm-hmm. him you know, so I used to say this when I would do my podcast and I was interviewing lots and lots of people on, you know, on the show of all different backgrounds. People would ask like, so what's your favorite episode? And now that I'm interviewing a lot more and more of these people that have been on Shark Tank, I feel kind of guilty picking just one because I, I it, yeah. it'd be, you know, because I have more of a personal, t- like, mm. you know, hands on relationship with these people. So it's really. It's really, am I chopped? Am I getting chopped up? Because uh, auto, well, we're uh, all showing. For me, we're all showing up. Yeah, same. Yeah, you guys, you guys are showing up for me. I'm not sure on Facebook. Sure it's showing up. So yeah, it's, so it's really hard for me to just pick one and be the one that is the most memorable. I if I had to, if you had to really pin me down, I would say one of the most memorable ones was the guy with the guitar player. So like you could play the you learn to play the guitar by pressing ah, the buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently did that one, or did I do it recently? I think I did it somewhat recently ago. I can't remember what the what is the name of that product. Oh god, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of it. But it's the but yeah, it's like a, it's like a plastic thing. And then as you learn, you take away pieces of the plastic device, and then you're actually you know putting your fingers on the strings versus playing on the buttons. But it's training you to know where the you know the the fingers go. Uh, on the guitar yeah that i just i love his smart. attitude and and uh, yeah it's just really 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 good i mean i i love all like all the pitches are, are a lot of fun oh mine was bombas oh, okay yeah is. i remember that yeah. i gotta do that one still that's a biggie that's a that's a that's a landmark one for the show you know very much and the scrub daddy one was great as well oh, scrub daddy, some, yeah yeah i mean there's so many good there's ones so out many there. exactly so and many. and all of them are good for different yeah. reasons right Mm-hmm. They they really are yeah it's hard it's hard just just to really pick one yeah. Yeah, and I think the, that's the that's the sign of a really good show you know mm-hmm. yeah really oh ding ding mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely well thank you both for being here today we will be back on the February twenty fourth at four p.m. Eastern Friday Australian East is it still Eastern Daylight Time there we're still, still Eastern, Eastern Daylight, Daylight eight a.m. 8 a.m. Friday, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. For for Jennifer Crawford Co. and Samantha Riley of SamanthaRiley.global, I'm Super Joe Pardo of SuperJoePardo.com. We appreciate you being here today, <laughs> and we will see you in two weeks. I'll probably do a live stream before that. Anyway, take care, everyone. 